championship team, the unspeakable, has come face to face with a mummy lord with a penchant for puzzling. Welcome back to EXPN, the experience. I'm Warren Rustborough. And I'm not very good at riddles. Color me surprised. Riddles are all about lateral thinking, whereas I tend to specialize in circles. In other news, the Motley Masquerade has been struggling to fill their fourth slot. The Aura-sponsored hero team had originally tapped Grease the Hexblade Warforged, who was unable to accept the position due to urgent repair and maintenance. Cookie Sappo was an obvious fallback, but fell horribly ill after consuming a mincemeat pie composed of unidentified mints. Vera the Barbarian passed due to an awkward personal history with Duncan D. Sordali, and Bedlam Marcon de Grey had only just been accepted into this season's Everhunt and would be unable to participate. If I had a quid for every time my party invitations were turned down, I'd be as rich as a bubblegum milkshake. If the Masquerade is unable to fill their fourth slot before their next scheduled Battle Axis quest, they'll be forced to forfeit their position or accept a permanent alternate. How do those work? A team is allowed four adventurers. Two additional players can be kept as permanent alternates for immediate fill-in. However, this prevents those players from accepting full membership to any team until their contract expires. This means that at any given time, a team can legally have six members. Wait a minute, I thought all adventurers were legal. They're all in the league, right? What, what about unlegal? <sighs> While it's technically illegal, some spokespeople and other administrators are known to offer wealth, resources, and comfortable accommodations on the ring to those willing to forego potentially lucrative contracts. Oh, 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 and that's where the Club Lucky Sevens gets its name. Right, Dirk. Very good. Here's your treat. Gotta say, Rust, I like this system. I thought it would be degrading, and it is. But you know what they say, a sneeze in the mouth is worth the water in a desert. Pretty sure no one has ever said that. And once I make my weekly trip to the Enchanter to pull this conversation from my mind like a psychic leech, I'll go on thinking that no one ever has. Oh, Rusty, aren't you worried about the long-term effects of memory alteration? Dirk, if it'll spare me from the earworms of your particular brand of wisdom, it's a risk I'm willing to take. Well, you can't spell wisdom without dumb. Or whiz. And I can whiz enough dumb to drown a camel. I should probably move up my appointment. The fallow crown has pulled ahead of the procession. As you separate from its magical sphere of influence, you find yourselves suddenly exhausted, remembering the pains and aches of the battles before. And yet you must make time, so you continue on, despite your conditions. In time, the first headstones begin to make themselves known, and there you decide to take your rest. We don't have much time for sleep. We'll just have to catch our breath for a bit. But let me look at your wounds. Believe that the, uh, that battle with Auntie Wisteria still lingers in our wounds. I'd forgotten about the wounds. It seems like the pain was numb when we were in the procession. Yes. Strange effect of that magical parade. Iavos gets out his healer's kit and tends to each of you one at a time, patching up whatever wounds he can, using his feet... Oh, shit. So, what feet is that? It's the healer feet. No, his feet. His feet? Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> That's what I heard. Needle between my toes. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go around and bump each of you once. Hal gains 13 hit points. That's a lot. Yes, it is. Wow. Gaspar gains uh, 15 hit points. <clears throat> Penny gains 12 hit points. Oh, I'm full now. I couldn't possibly. <laughs> and Iavos also gains 14 which is great because now he's at full 
I also take a very brief moment to one arcane recovery, two spell slots, mm. and then I reach into the arcane battery that is the uh, Illuminator's Quill Staff mm. and call forth a spell slot. Yay, it's a three. That's exactly what I needed. Perfect. And because it's a ritual, I will use Opus to identify this mantle, this cloak. And as I ascertain its properties, I hand it immediately to Gaspar. So, you hold before you the mantle of the witch's weave. This relic is a plus one AC cloak. It has six charges and regains 1d6 charges on a long rest. With one charge, you can cast Cloak of Vines, which allows you to hide in plain sight in any environment that is wooded and would justifiably have vines. This illusion can be broken with a DC 14 investigation. For two charges, after being attacked, you can use your reaction to deal 1d6 dexterity melee attack. And for four charges, the mantle erupts into a four foot by four foot wall of witch's thatch behind the caster. This grants one half cover standing behind it, and three-fourths cover crouched. As a free action, you can also modify the general aesthetic of the mantle between the gossamer-thin silver threads and the hard black vines. To all appearances, it is a pair of simple, flexible pauldrons made of black woody vine and clasped with a pink ovoid gem. After ascertaining the properties, I walk to Gaspar, remove it from my shoulders, and say, This is definitely suited best in your hands, or on your shoulders, as it were. I appreciate your gift. Don't thank me, thank Auntie. (laughs) Gaspar is going to pull out the head of Auntie Wisteria and thank you for bestowing (laughs) this upon us. Puts her back in the burlap bag. He informs you as to its properties. Yeah. Yeah. This is a very rare artifact. Effectively the same value as Halifon's halberd. Seeing that Leaving the procession has dampened Penny's mood. Gaspar will attempt to lift her spirits. As you approach her, during this period of short rest, she's kind of sitting off away from everyone and and looking fixedly at her hands. But she appears normal to you. Gaspar is going to place a gnarled broken piece of copper into her hands that she's staring at before he pulls back his hand to reveal what it is he says I brought you a gift from the procession oh you you didn't really have to do that but it's very thoughtful of you oh no 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 this is uh, required for me to give to somebody oh, what's, what's that it's the uh, reimbursement for if my body was to be uh, burned as fuel in Abel came down to about 0.27 of a copper piece. That is both morbid and unfortunate. Um, why, why are you giving it to me? The piece is not spent. Usually it's supposed to be given to a family member. And I thought you would appreciate it. Oh, I, I do. I do very much. Thank you. Thank you, Gaspar. I, I apologize that Procession made me remember something, and I, I forgot myself for a moment. Um, I took your advice after the forge challenge, and uh, currently, you are all my my anchor to um, to the present version of myself. Did you want to share your memory 
to help bolster this anchor? Uh, if I share it with you, Gaspar, I'm, to be honest, afraid of what you will think of me. That's my line. She recites to you the entire story as she remembers it. And that was the first and last time I ever tried to use quintessence. At least you had the kindness and love to never try it again. Penny rises from her seated position and gives you a hug, resting her chin on top of your stump. As soon as you do, a pink flame engulfs your head and you can feel a sucking void pulling you deeper. You begin to choke and gasp as you feel your soul burn out from inside of you. And Gaspar shoves you away reflexively. Okay, you're going to want to keep your head far away from that. What was that? That was the greed of someone who believes they are owed more than several worlds. For future reference, do not put your head anywhere near my stump. I usually try to lean away, but you may have given him a taste, and I do not control his appetite. The two of you, Hal and Iavos, catch a glimpse of the pink flame and see the kerfuffle as it plays out. I'm like stitching one of Hal's cuts open, and the needle goes wide as I turn my head to watch Gaspar shove Penny to the ground and rise to my feet. What's happening? Ow, ow, ow. Oh, sorry, Hal. Oh, Every, it's it's okay. Everything is okay. Just uh, just more pain caused by my curse. I apologize. There is no need. Frightened me. Thought something had gotten into Gaspar and turned against us. Well, it's somewhere down there. Gaspar would never. Gaspar extends a hand out, hoping that you will accept it. There's no hesitation. She takes your hand immediately and smiles at you. I will help you up. We must remain united now more than ever in this place. The tombstones grow many, and I fear our next challenge is just around the corner. Everyone ready? We do have a few healing potions if any of you are still injured. Uh, It's easier to take them out of combat than in combat. My health is fine for now, but to make sure it stays that way, Thankfully, I have replenished some of my magic, and I'm going to cast False Life at second level on myself to prepare for dangers to come. Nice. That's a four. So I have a 13 temporary. Very nice. I'll return to patching up Hal just to finish the job I was doing, and uh, I'm working on your abdomen right now, your armor and shirt off, as Mm. you regularly are. Right. Hal, I can't help but always look at these markings on your skin. Do they mean something, or are they just part of your lineage? It's been said that they represent the story of my life, how it's going to play out, but I've never met anyone who can read them, and none of it makes any kind of sense to me. But uh, maybe one day it'll be a language that you know, and you can tell me the words printed on my skin. Yes, they do appear to be more than just lines. It almost seems plainer in nature, but I can't put my finger on it. Another mystery that I must look into. Yeah, your book's getting pretty full of them. Not full enough. Always time for more. If you say so. I'd rather have solved mysteries than unsolved ones, personally. Lessons learned are a new currency for me. Gaspar heads over to Ayavos, still sewing some patches, and after he's done mending Halifon. Yeah, I 
give him a good slap on the butt and tell him, give him a lollipop. Yeah. <laughs> so you're working on his armor right now. Right? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ayavis. I didn't mean to cause a commotion or fright. I just reacted out of fear. This is a strange place for it. Not to displace that fear into something else, but I've noticed a shift in Penny. Yes. Can't imagine what it's like being like her. Poor thing. From what I understand, she is part of a plane of happiness. Yes. And while this is her desire, traveling with us to feel other things, we should watch out for how much we decide to expose her to the other parts of singular life. Fascinating. Well, we'll make sure everyone continues acting well in character. You rise and break what little camp you were able to make in the short time you had. Now, somewhat rested and bolstered, you make your way along the winding cemetery road. To either side of you, the riverlands give way to vast arcing stretches of totems bleak and beautiful which crowd the haunted barrows. Their rigid stone contours drip with the deep scarlet foliage and luminescent violets of the creeping vines known as grave whispers. In long moments between breaths, rustles can be heard in the vibrant flora, and glimpses can be caught of shades and phantoms stealing furtive glances of what intruders would go on so boldly waking in this place of rest. Verdant grasses fade to gray as the outermost influence of life gutters and fails under the oppressive shadow of the first lich gate. Black wrought iron juts in jagged spires from desiccated earth, its pitted and pocked surface worked by no hand save those gods and titans whose distant cousins are now but fading memories. Rough white marble posts are run through with thick rails supporting the gnarled and grizzled pickets of this impossible barrier. The great skeletal wings of the Lich Gate are closed to those who have no place beyond its walls. Far below the stabbing peaks before the tired stone structure of the gatehouse waits a creature, your charge. Once a devout and full-throated voice in the chorus of the divine end, now a frail and withered shadow of its former self. It might have been called a man once, Beneath a stained and moth-eaten shroud hang two arms and two legs, a familiar shape, yet it is smeared, translucent, like a hand drawn across wet ink. It shimmers in silver streaks, jittering and shivering in unseen winds. As you approach, it raises the shrouded thing that might be its head, and calls out to you in a voice that has no earthly presence. It stumbles and lurches as it draws something from a ragged pocket. It holds aloft a shape, a bloom of old weathered brass. Its shining tongue lolling at rest calls for sudden attention as it is whipped through the air. The grave bells are ringing, and the dead rise to greet them. This is Paige Thetero with EXPN reporting to you live from just outside of the Battle Axis. Three long hours ago, Axis Control lost signal to the champion team, the Unspeakable. At the time of disconnect, the team had failed to successfully enter the Mummy Lord's riddles. 
causing the dried-up old sorcerer to go hog wild, resulting in an unexpected CR-15 fight, well above the team's level 11 average. EXPN, in association with the League of Ultimate Questing, would like to take this moment to remind the audience that should the entire party perish within the Axis, there is no possibility for resurrection. They would be lost to whatever machinations are natural to the souls of this plane. The League of Ultimate Questing takes no responsibility for casualties incurred in the performances of lead quests. Loss of soul is covered under the Adventurer's League Life Insurance Policy, with a one-time payout of the bereaved 50% of the Adventurer's projected lifetime adventuring income to be paid in gold or the chief denomination of the victims only. Thank all the gods in all the cosmos! Someone has made it out! Who? Oh dear! It seems the only survivor is Plague or the Butcher! <laughs> Blagor! Blagor! Can you tell us what happened? Blagor, please! Your allies! Do they yet live? Have they befallen some fate worse than death? Perhaps the Butcher is so aggrieved at the loss of his comrades, he is unable to speak. I'm just getting word now that... No! No, that's just his thing! And he would seem to be carrying a bloodied sack. Neat! What do you know? It's heads! Radical! Tell me, Plagor, did you collect these remains in the hopes of resurrecting your dearest friends? Oh, oh look! It seems you have extras! More for the collection, I imagine. Well, this has been wonderful! Thank you, Plagor, and a preemptive thanks to Aura for their resurrection services. We're about to witness a planar phenomenon, a keyhole between worlds that only marketing can penetrate. Join me as we glimpse into the adverse. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Soldiers! Cavalry! Today, we cross evil's threshold. Today, we strike a blow against the world of retail. Against the hordes of darkness. We shall not back down. We shall not surrender. And we shall run no mercy. Today is Black Friday. And today, we die! Malish! Malish! Sorry, um, hate to interrupt. But, um, why? Excuse me? Aye, sir, begging your pardon and all that. But, um, why exactly are we fighting? Why are they the shoppers? They're evil, I guess. Bit confusing narrative, but sure, sure, that's fine. Why not focus on, you know, digital retail? Aye. Aye, well, I mean, Manscaped.com's got sidewired 25% off for Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Plus, you can always use promo code LUQ to get 15% off and free shipping. Seems daft to faff about in stores and deals like these are about. Manscaped. Oh, aye. 
performance package with the Weed Whacker nose trimmer, the lawnmower bone shaver, and more. Plus, I've been having a whiff of your lads here. They can do with a Whacker Manscaped's new body wash and two-in-one shampoo conditioner. Hmm. All right, soldiers. To your computer. To Manscaped.com. To freshness. <laughs> Hey there, all you cuties. Get to the mid-roll, now! Oh wait, we're already here. Exciting news for fans of the show and fans of the Twitch channel, we're going to start giving away sets of Kraken dice during our live streams for fans to enter to win. If you're subscribed to our Twitch channel or are a hero or higher on the Patreon, you can enter these contests when they're announced via our amazing Discord channel. So be sure to tune in to our live premieres Monday night and our Wednesday night Soul Link Nuzlocks to win some amazing dice from Kraken. Also, use the code LUQ for 15% off your Kraken dice if you want to get some of your own. You probably wouldn't be here if you didn't like the LUQ, and we can't tell you how much we love you for doing that. If you want to show your support, here's some great ways that you can help Slapdash Studios and the League of Ultimate Questing to continue going. Like, share, and leave a review. Follow us on social media and Twitch. Join the Discord. Tell your friends and family. And of course, join the Patreon, which comes with tons of rewards at all tiers. You can get bonus content, D&D material for your home games like maps and stat blocks. You can look at PC character sheets, get ringtones and music. And at the highest tiers, you can make a character of your own to join the show's meta on the battle axis. And if you'd like to get thanked regularly during the mid-roll, you can also join one of the legendary teams, which are currently the Twilight Concord, the Forgotten Legacy, the Ceaseless Horde, and this week's featured team, the Titans Rise, with Darsmail, Bedlam, and Evelyn. All the links you need for social media, actors, pages, merch, and more are available at theluq.com, where you can find all the information about the actors on the show and the other projects they're working on, as well as their social media. For info on getting an ad or personal message on the show, contact admin at slap-studios.com. We put fan art on social media and hang it in the recording studio if it fits. If you want to send in your own or just give us some random thing you think we'd like, the P.O. Box is 230091, Tigered, Oregon, 97281. We've absolutely loved what we've gotten so far. Oh yeah, and word to the wise, no homemade consumables, you dig? If you follow us on Twitch, be sure to tune in Monday nights as we premiere live episodes of the LUQ hosted by Dungeon Mistress Dana, Wednesdays for me and Zach Soling Nuzlocke, Thursday nights for Penny Plays with Dana again, and the rest of the week we just do whatever we have time for and it's a ton of fun and a great community. And now you've got giveaways, so be sure to subscribe. And of course we'd love to see you on the Discord. It's awesome, it's great, it's very good, it's the best. But enough out of me, let's get you back to the Battle Axis. Well, hello there! I couldn't help but notice you existing from a great distance away. It's me, Divinathan from Scryco, pioneers in magical faraway looky-loos. You've secretly spectated on nasty trespassers with the Clare Bear. You've protected your personal property from bovine bullies with the Minotaur Monitor. And you've received fleeting glimpses of lost moments in time with the Portent. But now it's time to close your eyes and open your mind. Introducing the Scrypod, a state-of-the-art small box filled with metal and magic that pulls messages floating through the ether of space and projects them right into your hearing headholes. What are ears if not eyes for the sound soul? Don't let your long boring walk put you to sleep. Pop in the wireless ClairePods and get lost in the mysterious missing messages of the cosmos. 
Save your favorites to listen to again later. Rate their quality in public forums. Or just put it on random and hear what the multiverse has to say to you. With classics like Wailing Screams of Lost Souls Who Missed the Bus to Their Special Afterlife. The Border of the Inner Planes Grinding Together Like Beached Teenagers. The Inner Monologues of Someone's Dad. A song that never got written because the artist ate some bad tuna and spent the day barraging the inner sanctum of their toilet. Poems read by penguins in the language of kindness. The sounds of an artist who ate bad tuna barraging the inner sanctum of their toilet. Erotic weeping. And so much more. Eyes are yesterday. Ears are tomorrow. Scryco is infinity. Get the Scrypod today. Scryco, we hear what you have done. The Fallow Crown stands before the first Lich Gate, facing down a servitor of the Dread Conclave. As he begins to ring his bell, the restless dead crawl from their slumber. Shambling shades, specters, and wraiths surge forward, aimless and lost and hungry for the souls of the living. Please roll initiative. No, my soul of the living. Mm. But they'll never touch my soul of the dead. Um, technically, uh, uh my soul. <laughs> <laughs> I got a 12. I got an 8. I got a 19 again. I got a 4 plus 1 for 5. Mmm. The servitor gets a 4. Ha! Suck on my plus one deck servitor, I win. (laughs) (laughs) So that'll be Gaspar, Ayavas, Penny, me, servitor. Fantastic. Gaspar, please lead us off. Gaspar was not expecting every spirit to to rise from this graveyard, but we are surrounded. Oh, my. Mm -hmm. Into the thick of it. Trusting fully in the capabilities of Penny and Ayavos to hold their own. Gaspar is going to take the cunning action to disengage, charge down the road, not taking opportunity attacks for many of the spirits on the way, and head straight for the servitor and his bell. Getting right up on him? Yeah. Gaspar charges through and in between these spirits while he's loading a crossbow, and to stop the servitor from tolling it once more, he launches a crossbow bolt. Get him. Get him. Get him. That is going to be a 13 to hit. Hot dingus. That actually does hit. Ooh, hey. nice. That is going to be 13 points of magical piercing damage. Fantastic. It is not resistant to the magical attack. Nice. You said 13 points? 13 points. The reading crossbow. <laughs> Would you like to do anything else with your turn? That is it. All right. After Gaspar is Ayavos. Penny, you're on deck. Hal will say, we're going to move forward and try and stop that thing from ringing that bell. Uh, Don't get too far behind us, though. We don't want to get separated. Ayavos grips his cloak and blanket around him and dashes forward 10 feet, being as agile as his old bones will allow, to get into a position both behind some of the cover of the tombstones and centralized into a clique of ghoulies. And as he's moving forward, he's reaching through his large bag of spell components and fishing through his coins. He pulls out two of them, each silver. And in casting this spell, 
He invokes the blessing of the third child to close the gap between life and death and holds them in front of his eyes. And I cast planar rejection using a spell secret to turn it into radiant damage. Interesting. All right, all right, all right. As you pass a tattered woman, she swipes at you. But her ghostly hands do not find purchase. Sweet. All right, what do I need? Uh, It is a charisma save for five of the specters. Okay. Oh, what do you see? 14. All right. So, lady at the back fails. Gentleman with the armor fails. This gentleman succeeds. This gentleman succeeds. And one more? Yep. And the last gentleman, this one? Mm -hmm. The cloaky guy, I guess, right here. This homeboy. He also succeeds. Okay. So as he holds up the silver coins over his eyes, he just flashes outward with light. And it's almost an energy that, like you said, pulls life and death closer together, trying to return them to their resting place. Um, They all take two radiant if they failed and one if they succeeded. I see. Because they need to be hurt twice, Mm -hmm. all of them take a single point no matter what. But the ones you hurt more now seem to be moving away from you instead of toward you. I see. If there happens to be any kind of floating mechanics with their movement, they are the ones that failed are prone. <laughs> oh, good to know. Uh, no, they are just shuffling. Gotcha. Every day. Every day they're <laughs> shuffling. <laughs> Penny, that makes it your turn. Penny is going to step forward momentarily and touch Halifon on his shoulder. I guard his soul from shade and wraith to serve his liege in valor and faith. Nice. And I cast Protection from Evil on Hal. Hey. All right. Can you tell me how Protection of Evil works? Until the spell ends, one willing creature you touch is protected against certain types of creatures, aberrations, celestials, elementals, fey fiends, and undead. Neat. The protection grants several benefits. Creatures of those types have disadvantage on attack rolls against the target. The target also can't be charmed, frightened, or possessed by them. All right. And then I want I want to pitch an inspiration to Gaspar, but I'm trying to think of what to say for it. Hey, Gaspar, you uh, seem to have gotten a bit ahead of us, so take this with you. And I give Gaspar bardic inspiration. <laughs> I flash a thumbs up to the back. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, that's that's my whole turn. I have more move left. Yeah, I'd like to um, kind of spin around this one that's on my left and just get next to Iavos. I can cover your flanks. Mm-hmm. Perfect. I'm done. Woo! That makes it my turn. Uh, on Hal's turn, with Penny going to cover Iavos, I'm going to try and clear a path for them. So I'm going to take one step forward and use the chivalric edge to attack this specter that's between me and Gaspar. All right. Do I think I need to reckless? I don't. I don't think I need to. I'll regret this decision, but yeah, yeah, that's going to be a regret. Regrettable decision. Uh, how's an eight? Does an eight hit? Ah, damn. It does not. Yeah, it probably wouldn't. No one on this field has a good AC. Just yeah, so yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. But they're better than eight. After that, swing and a miss. I think Hal's just going to take the risk and continue with his movement as planned, push past it and the other one and get up to the servitor, provoking two attacks on the way. As the chivalric edge passes through the empty space, just over the enemy's head. You can see as the faint phantasmal wisps of ectoplasm seem to almost reach out for it. You pass through it, and it hungers for you. 
Those attacks are at disadvantage due to protection from evil. Excellent. The first, the spirit whom you tried to kill, is drawn into the blade, turning your eight into a success because it rolled a critical failure. Ah, okay. Mm. The blade cuts through flesh and bone rather than the ephemera of the creature. You can feel as it is dropped to the ground and then fades into nothing. The chivalric edge has full effect. Nice. Didn't know that Halifon's specialty was getting hit. Yeah. <laughs> a specter didn't know it was coming. Right. Yeah. And the other spirit also fails to grasp you. I'm slippery. What are you at? 18, 19? 17. Set the shield. It's pretty good. It's okay. I rolled two fours. <laughs> and I'm going to hold on to my bonus action for now and not rage. Works for me. Yep. This ends my turn and brings us to the servitor. Marvelous. And friends, I presume. <laughs> its greatest threat stands before it. A creature bearing the tools of a scion. It strikes out at you. Bring it. For a second, I thought it meant me, and I was like, oh, no. The first attack passes through you harmlessly. It steals itself and strikes again. The jagged ephemeral ghost blade thrusts past you, but then comes back and strikes clean. First is the slashing as it cuts through your flesh, followed by a resonant impact. Zach's face is concerning. You take 11 slashing damage and 18 force damage. Ugh. Force damage? Nobody resists force. Damn right. I don't actually think that's quite true, but <laughs> it's a it's a rare resistance. It's a it's yeah, one of the rarest. Yeah. Ow. Sorry. Ow. Ow. <laughs> and with its move action, it rings the grave bell, drawing the attention of the dead. On initiative 20, the dead walk forward. As two of the spirits pass through Gaspar and Iavos, you feel the cold cling of death. But it is not an evil thing. Instead, it is the simple pulling of the void. Iavos takes 10 force damage. No. And Gaspar takes 8. And that brings us to Gaspar's turn. After this spirit forces Gaspar towards one more side... His delicate balance between life and death being threatened. He is going to once again use his cunning action to disengage. As he draws his saber and makes his way towards the servitor, he's going to make some erratic movements going off to its side, back to its other side, then to its back again. And in an attempt to have that confuse it enough, use sleight of hand to maybe take this bell from him. Interesting. Okay. Uh, go ahead and roll me a sleight of hand. Where you tread, I cannot guidance. <laughs> <laughs> but I am inspired. That's true. <laughs> That's a natural one. <laughs> oh, no. Why don't oh, we have glory? I'm t- God, my, this life is tragic. Save, save that inspiration, Gaspar. You're mm-hmm. going to need it something else. As Gaspar weaves through the field of the dead... He finds himself face to face with the servitor. He jukes left, he jukes right, and dodges forward, and the servitor stands to meet him. He passes through his spectral form and receives 2d10 force damage. Yes. Ooh. You receive 10 more damage. That's the kind of consequence I love. (laughs) (laughs) 
I, normally I wouldn't have something no. like that, but you're specifically trying to juke him, and I'm like, oh, he's gonna walk right yeah, in front I of it. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. it's great. No, it, it had foreshadowing. It's, it's a it's a tasty consequence on a nat one. I love it. Oh, so I believe that's my move, my bonus. Sure, yeah. Like your hand like goes in his pocket, and he just comes out. Ow! <laughs> it slimed me. That makes it Iovis's turn. All right, since the congregation of the dead have kind of turned their back on me and Penny and just kind of shuffled towards Belltown, Iovis is going to take advantage of how close they are to each other. He's going to step back, plant his feet into the mossy grave dirt, hold the bottle of mystery against his chest, and pop the cork. And in order to deafen the sound of this horrible grave bell, I'm going to fill the area with the sound of thunder. And it explodes out like a storm. I love it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so that's a six dexterity saving throws. You uncork the bottled storm. I'm going to roll two. And on one side is one half. The other side is the other. Half. And if it saves you any time, three of them will just die regardless because they've already been hit by my uh, other spell. The left side. That is an 11 for one half. And an 11 for the other half. (laughs) The cacophony tears through the incorporeal forms of the three you've already struck, and the remaining four are heavily injured. I'm so glad you can carry my slack. (laughs) (laughs) Compensate for your tremendous drag factor. (laughs) And then for my move action, I'm going to just slide closer to Penny and kind of lean my shoulder up against her. Sounds good. Penny, that makes it your turn. Penny is going to charge forward, leaping over this difficult terrain and charging straight through the uh, wraiths that are between her and the bad guy. Holy shit. All right. Go get him, Tiger. <laughs> Roll me mirthful leaps. Are you trying to wrap battle at her? That's an additional five feet. Yeah, I'll say that covers the distance. You're able to clear all of the difficult terrain and head directly through one of the ghosts, taking 1d10 force damage. That is three. Okay, noted, and I have to make a concentration roll for protection from evil. All right. Uh, yeah, one of them was like a 17, so that excellent. Works. And then I'm going to take a swing on the boss. Okay. Please roll that attack at disadvantage due to his blurred form. Woo! Two 20s. I won't get the 25 that I rolled, but I will get the 23. Ooh, that's good. All right, that is definitely a hit. That is going to be eight damage. I like it. Hooray. And that is my turn. Double hooray. That makes it Hal's turn. That thing hit me pretty good with its ghost sword. So I'm going to clap back with my psionic blade. Good good God. (laughs) Sorry, I couldn't not. You totally could have not. <laughs> you were entirely capable of not. Uh, there is no live audience. You have no power here. Yeah. <laughs> the live audience actually laughed at my stupid jokes. They did. I'm going to attack recklessly to negate his disadvantage. I uh, like it. Although he negates my advantage. One roll. Mm. Has a 14 total. It hits. Hey. All right. He takes a D8 plus a D4 radiant. So glad. 16 points of damage total. Very nice. You drag the chivalric edge through its chest, cutting away large swaths of its incorporeal form, which fall to the ground and dissipate into ectoplasm. 
And he responds in kind. Does a 15 hit? Not with my shield. Very good. Does a 16 hit? Not with my shield. Oh, nice. Yeah, that shield actually putting in the work. Good choices today. Since those both would have hit you without Yeah, they both would have hit me without the shield, yes. (laughs) Absolutely they would. Wait, we're being rewarded for our tactical decisions? (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) The first strike clatters uselessly against the shield, and the second is met by the chivalric edge, which stops its incorporeal shape dead in its tracks. Like that. And that begins us back at the top of the initiative queue. Three of the specters, the thunder energy reverberates off the tombstones and strikes them again from the caustic brew, and uh, they get smashed again. Very nice. He ends his turn by ringing his bell, and the dead respond. Stop. (laughs) The dead approach, and their bodies move through yours. Halifon and Penny each take 1d10 force damage. Hal takes seven. Ow. Penny takes seven. Hey, look at that. I'll roll my concentration check. Marvelous. I passed amazingly. <laughs> Perfect. These ghoulies have no sense of personal space. No. <laughs> All right. And that makes it Gaspar's turn. Gaspar is going to once more try to take this bell from the servitor, being much more careful with where he shifts his weight. <laughs> He's going to bide his time until he is heavily distracted by Halifon's movement and then just quietly and quickly try and disarm the bell away from him. All right. Could never happen again. All right. All right. We're going to use the bardic inspiration. Mm-hmm. And that is going to be a total of 22. You've successfully grabbed the bell. However, you must roll charisma to fight the force of its personality. Make a charisma sleight of hand check. That is a 12. That does not beat his 18. No. As you attempt to pull at the bell, there simply it simply does not come, as though it was set in stone. I'm starting to think that I cannot take this. It is not a physical bell. I think it was very smart trying. Plan B. Cut it up. Lose, <laughs> <laughs> baby. That is my turn. I mean, I'll say, yeah, I mean, all you were trying to do was grab something. So I'd say that's your moving bonus. Okay, okay. That seems fair to me. Sure. I will take the scraps that you give me. <laughs> I enact plan B and slice upwards. <laughs> Am I flanking? Uh, you are. Then I will have advantage and disadvantage and technically neither. That is going to be a 12 to hit. That hits. Oh, ooh. These guys are not hard to hit. There we go. <laughs> That is 13 points of damage. All right. And as the saber passes through the blurry midsection of the servitor, a bit of that ectoplasm will splash outwards. And that's all the catalyst Nepet needs. (laughs) Favorite boy. Yeah. So Nepet is just going to wildly swing towards any of the specters next to Gaspar. This one? Cool. Okay. And it'll do five points of necrotic damage, unless it's immune. Uh, It is, in fact, immune to necrotic damage. As the spectral blade finds home inside the monster, it simply dissolves into it. Gaspar gives a very tired thumbs up. (laughs) (laughs) Iavos, you're up. So Iavos is going to attempt to strike down the Servitor as he's done as much as he can to these ghoulies. And as he stands at the base of this old, decayed fountain, he's going to 
start to channel a catapult spell to push the weight of the statue over onto him. <laughs> but in order to see where he is with his blurred form, he's going to pull out the lens of Ikshi, which was designed to see through the illusions of gods at their true self. And the object I am choosing to look through using the lens is spectral energy. That is so good. That temporarily denies it its blurred form bonus against you. Now, because of the fact that Catapult is a saving throw, but given the flavor of what you've done, I will give it disadvantage on this save. Oh, cool. So, yeah, that's a dex for Mr. Servitor. Okay. And this is a third level Catapult. Good thing you got that disadvantage, because an 18 would have sucked, and the commensurate uh, four is much worse for That him. is much worse. Does he have a plus 10 for uh, chance? Uh, no, he does not. <laughs> All right. At our at our level, we shouldn't be fighting anything with a plus 10. <laughs> Could he just be really dexy in life? I don't know. Iavos reaches out with all of his might and draws upon the statue at the center of the fountain. It is a familiar thing. An old, tired man. A farmer, the keeper of an orchard, But what is in his hands is an unrecognizable symbol of the very thing these creatures worship. A long, thin scythe. And as the stone groans beneath the force of your magic, it begins to topple down on top of the servitor, splitting him from head to toe. Jesus Christ, I just want to hit him with a rock. That's awesome. (laughs) As he falls and the bell with him, the dead dissolve into the ground. And the bell begins to pulse with the gentle chime of a freshly bonded soul. Iavos is going to approach the fallen statue with the pinned scion underneath, writhing and dying, and uh, taking out a large silver coin from his spell components. He repeats the same ritual he used on the first blighted that they fought, and crumbles it to dust over the body, casting ceremony to ensure that it does not rise again as an undead. And I whisper into the corpse, blessed in your continuance. And as your ceremony completes and you kneel down to take hold of his small brass trinket, you realize that you hold in your hand a dinner bell from a far away and familiar farm. The unspeakable have been resurrected thanks to Plager the Butcher's diligent recovery of his allies' remains. Though public outcry as to Plager's methods has sparked a debate in the administration whether dismemberment and desecration should be added to the League's no-no list. My dad's no-no list just has my name on it. But I gotta be honest, Rust. I'm not keen on the idea of limiting the actions of teams and their players more than we have to. Oh? Venturing's never been about being the good guy. Some people break nasty on the regular, and that used to kind of just happen without any spankings from the law or the gods, the brassiest brass of them all. Now with the League and all, folks get payouts for damages, resurrections, and repairs for their ills and kills. If we've got the resources to play Grab Abacus and do the aftermath, then why not just let players play? As excruciating as your verbiage may be, you've a compelling point, Dirk. I do? The Dirker gets a treat? He does indeed. 
The League's mission statement has never been to extol the virtues of the good. In fact, Aura Axes for the Unified Representation of Alignment specifically exists to prevent axial imbalance on the cosmic scale. The consequences of meddling in such things can be catastrophic, and the League would be unable to cope with them in its current stage. Neat. Neat? Questions of objective versus subjective morality? The cosmic balance of forces and the consequences of their violations? The suffering of the individual versus the greater suffering of the whole? Those are neat? No. I just figured if I agreed with you, I'd get another treat. No. No treat for Dirk. Fine. Then get ready for my counterpoint. You're wrong. Ha! Got it. Concise and compelling. Damn. Woo. Memories. Logging. Logging memories now. Very cool. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I want memories. I know, right? Wake me up. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wake up. I should. <laughs> this rings a bell. <laughs> <laughs> then freeze frame. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Good Jesus. The party just. <laughs> it won't be worse than my psionic blade joke, so. <laughs> Just, hey, uh, before Angelo inevitably passes it back to me, do right. we have an MVP and a play of the game? Uh, I'm sure we do. <laughs> I mean, obvious choice. <laughs> obvious <laughs> choice is Crickets. the statue. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to keep taking it. I, I think uh, play the game was that servitor breaking my ankles. I think play of the game is trying to steal the fucking belt, <laughs> even if it didn't work. Theoretically, it was the play of the game. I mean, the ankle breaker really does it for me. Um, yeah, it's part of stealing the bell. It just happened to be the result of trying to steal the bell. You went just like a little Winnie the Pooh there, and I liked it. <laughs> trying to steal the bell. <laughs> I will also say that from now on, I would like to take a new award, DM's Honorable Mention. Mm. Anything. And this is for things that I want to thank you guys for handing to me and just, just perfectly setting me up for shit. Uh, and most notably for me was Penny deciding to put her head on Gaspar's neck stump. Thank you very much. I, I really appreciate I it. I just thought it would be a cute little picture. Yeah. yeah we is, activated his trap guard. It, it is a cute little picture of your head engulfed in fire. I don't want to distress anybody here, but there are a lot of trap cards. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also excited about learning the, the meaning of Halifon's runes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. And mm-hmm. Honestly, I, I was it was a tough gamble for the two of them. But for me, yeah. it had to be the one that already walked into something I had set up. You almost gave Penny. <laughs> <laughs> she just turns around and there's no face. MVP play of the game? Just smoking stuff. I, I do think play of the game is trying to steal the belt. Like, strategically, it is the move for my heart. All right. Honestly, I'm, I am kind of tempted to say that play of the game has to be a play of some... That somebody tried to yeah. do something that worked well and, yeah, was, or was it just a good play. Or a clever use of the rules. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's fair. That's a good way to look at Rather it. Rather than just whatever, whatever stupid idea we thought was funny. Right. All right. This gets to still be some stupid thing we the thought statue. was funny. Okay, good. Yes. All right. The statue. <laughs> I give it to the statue. Cloven and Twain. Yeah. He did the job that none of us could. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. Uh, Angela, do you want to pass it back to me with a roll? Believe it or not, it goes one, two, three, Oh, it's a Michael outro. I'm loving it. Oh. Because your last name's loving. Yeah, we know that. (laughs) (laughs) At this point in the show, they probably know that. Yeah. 
All right. Well, if I'm doing the outro, then I guess I'll do a weird thing and start with myself going around <laughs> the table. It always feels weird. I feel like we should just go one to the left. But my name's Michael Loving. As Law just reminded you, I play Halifon Orson Jr., the Palbarian. I didn't do a whole lot in this fight, but that's okay. I don't have to every combat. Does that mean you're a pallbearer? Yeah. Hmm. You took more damage than any of us could. That's fair. That's I did a good do tank that. job. I did do that. Yeah, I've actually I actually had that thought through most of this chapter. I was like, "Hey, my palbarian, palbearer." So we have a palbearer. Yeah, we have Gaspar, the friendly uh, Dulahan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. My name is Angelo Kalua. I play Gaspar, the headless rogue of the dead weight subclass. No, that's not my subclass. But boy, did I fail today. It's fine. <laughs> it means great success is coming soon. Mm-hmm. That's definitely how luck works. Yeah. I am Dana Ebert. I play Penelope Farthing. And when I completely run out of things to say, I hand out coupons. <laughs> She's the fawn of the dead. Mostly it's just like a free uh, appetizer at Chili's. But <laughs> but on the back, it. I love the idea of somebody handing like a Chili's coupon and giving them inspiration. <laughs> it's a Subway punch card with eight out of ten holes. <laughs> That's almost a free Frappuccino. Mm, that's eight inches of free foot long, baby. <laughs> <laughs> you, just gotta pay, you only got to pay for four inches of it. That's pretty good. I usually only pay for four inches. Ew. Uh, <laughs> my name is Law. I am playing. I have a witness of the withering acre and uh, master of the statue of no limitations. <laughs> and i am zach barkas dungeon boy i want to thank brie golden for this beautiful high contrast map i like this very nice thank you brie very lovely uh i also want to thank hediger the editor for his beautiful editing that brings sam yeah thank you sam hediger the editor that brings us back to me we've kind of pared this part of the thing down Mm -hmm. you've got the luq.com with all of the links all the player bios all the stuff that we do thank you for listening Tell us what your favorite play of the game was on our social media accounts. And until next time, we wish you luck.